0: Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. Good morning. Please be seated. What a privilege to be here and to share with you guys and worship with you guys. I love the spirit of freedom and the worship. You guys are so blessed. You have an amazing team leading you. I've known Pastor Don for seven years and have huge respect for him and, and on the very few Sundays that we have free, we love to come and worship here. So it's just great to be with you. I'm so honored to uh, bring the message today. God's put something on my heart that I love to talk about. But before we get into it, let me just tell you that in my early years of following Jesus, while I was still a student uh, in the university, I, I struggle with prayer. I struggle with being consistent in prayer. I struggle with knowing what to pray. And I struggle with my perception of God, especially with regard to asking him for things. Now, there's all kinds of prayers, but one of the kinds of prayers that we're most familiar with is asking God. But I find that as I was a young Christian, I was rather timid to ask God of things. I knew that in my own weakness, in my own struggles, in my own sin, that I wasn't worthy of what I was asking for. But it was so cool because God broke through. I used, to, I used to have this idea that maybe, you know, if I did really good, I could ask God for one thing and if he blessed me, then I needed to wait a while to ask him for something else. Uh, as if God could be uh, overwhelmed with my, my request, you know. But I had this view, this timidity, I had this sense of I need to earn it I need to somehow impress God. I need to pray it a certain way or whatever for my prayers to be answered. And so, and I often didn't know exactly what to pray. I would see a situation and think, well, I'm not sure what God's will is. So I would just pray, God, let your will be done. Well, that's a lame, lame prayer. Uh, God has actually taught us to pray very different than that. In the And what I'm gonna talk about today greatly influenced my prayer life. And it's uh, found in Luke chapter 11. And if you study the Gospels with this in mind, what did Jesus say about prayer? You actually won't find a whole lot. You'll find two passages in Luke 11 and Luke 18. But in terms of teaching about prayer, this is one of the few things that Jesus said. Now the context before I read verse five, Verse 1, chapter 11, starts off with the disciples approaching Jesus. They saw him praying and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, they watched Jesus pray day after day. It was his lifestyle. It was part of his day. to would get up early, often before they were awake, find a lonely place and pray. And so finally they said, teach us to do that. And then he turned to them and said, uh, when you pray, Pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we know that prayer, the Father's prayer, are the, the Lord's prayer, we say. But in that prayer, it's not just something we memorize and repeat, but it's a model prayer for us. It's a pattern of praying. It's an outline to pray. And we also know that in that prayer, there are prayers of, of adoration. When we acknowledge who God is and we speak out his name, we're worshiping, we're, there's prayers of Offering ourselves, kingdom of God come, will of God be done. We're surrendering to his government or his rule in our life. Uh, when When we pray, forgive us our sins, we're praying repentance. As we forgive those who trespass against us, we're praying about relationships. We're releasing the trespasses of others. So there's different things that we pray. But right after that prayer, Jesus then tells them a story. And that's the focus of this day's message is what Jesus taught about attitude. You see, the first part of his, uh, the Lord's Prayer is about the content of our prayer. This part here is about our attitude. So I call this praying with an attitude. And here's the attitude. Then Jesus said to them in verse 5, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, <clears throat> lend me three loaves of bread. Now, I don't know, this may be a, a boule because he likes bread. If he were an Indonesian, he would say, Tiga porsi nasi, tolong." Please give me three portions of nasi. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Well, from that verse, must be an in Indonesian because an American would say hey, good to see you. Here's your bed and not worry about food. But an Indonesian has to offer food, yeah? So we have a tamu, a guest, and we, we need to offer him food. And so uh, he goes and asks. Uh, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked and my children and I are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. And I tell you, even though he will not get up, and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, yeah. he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Okay, I want to come back to that, but let me read these last two verses. So I say to you, ask and it, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, the big idea here and parables, by the way, aren't allegories. There's typically one big idea, one point, one main truth that Jesus wants to convey. And if you read this carefully, it's obvious. You want your prayers answered, prayed with the attitude that this person had. He he, he has a guest at midnight and as was the custom in the Middle East, you guys who live in Indonesia know this, when you welcome a guest, you serve food. There was no food in the dapur, in the kitchen. And so what does he do? He, well, he goes to borrow. But the problem is it's the middle of the night. And so in this place of shameless audacity, he wakes up a neighbor and he, he gets him out of bed and he asks for three pieces of bread and he gets what he asked for. And Jesus makes the point that that's how you get what you need. And it's obvious the application is for our relationship with God. Now, what struck me and what I've thought about for years is the idea of shameless audacity. What does that mean? When he said, he will surely give up, get up. He will, he will give you what you need. That is obviously the key word, the key idea. So I looked it up in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek. And the, and the word is Anaidian. Anaidian. I'm not sure about the pronunciation, but that's how we would say it in Indonesia, Anaidian. And, it, and it's an interesting word because if you look for the meaning of that word in the New Testament, it's not found. It's not found in another verse. Often we, we find the meaning in one verse from finding it in other verses. How is it used? What's interesting, though, is the opposite of the word is found in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 2, where Paul is talking about women dressing modestly and being refined and godly. And he says this, I also want the women to dress modestly modestly with decency and propriety. It's translated into uh, New International Version, propriety. And that's the word idiom without the ana on the front, without the A-N-A, it's the word idiom. But you put the prefix ana on that word and it means the opposite. So it literally means impropriety or shameless or immodest or Bahasa uh, Indonesia kurang ajar. You know, that word is kind of crude. It's like, Man, that's offensive. Somebody kurang ajar. In other words, they don't know their place. They don't know manners. They're, they're, uh, they, uh, the other thing we say in Indonesia is kobrani. yeah, and that's not a good word in this context. That's like they don't know their place. It's like somebody jumping in a parade and standing under uh, by President Bapa President Jokowi and taking a selfie. It's like what is that person doing? That's so that is so improper. But that's what Jesus said. We're to pray with that attitude. is that amazing? We're to pray with that attitude. I'm looking for people who pray rudely, who pray not knowing their place, who pray with shameless audacity. And those pre- people have their prayers answered. Now, when I began to underst- understood this, understand this, I was in my 20s. My wife and I were driving out to Los Angeles from Austin, Texas, where I was going to go to seminary, and we had all of our worldly goods, we had a nine-month-old daughter, we were driving across the desert in the United States, what would be about 2,000 kilometers or 1,800 kilometers, a long way, and during those two days of driving, we began to think about our life in Los Angeles. We begin to think about how much it costs to live there. We'd never been there. And the big, bad city of Los Angeles. And how are you going to make it? And we need a babysitter for our child. And my wife needs a job. And I want a part-time job. And we want a church. And so as we were talking about these desires, we began to write them down. And we, we began our first prayer journal, asking these things. Now, b- before I... Let me just say this. Some of you are wondering what happened. Well, actually, all five of those things were answered. I would ask, Lord, we, literally in our prayer, Lord, give us an apartment or a house for $200 a month or less. $195 a month is what we paid for rent. Lord, give us a babysitter who loves you, a missionary wife, home on furlough, delighted in keeping our nine-month-old daughter. Uh, Janine got a job at the seminary. I got a job at a, at a Christian ministry among uh, gang members in downtown L.A. We, every prayer was answered, and so we learned to pray this way early in our lives. Now, I want to talk about what we would call praying with gall. Some of you that are not native English speakers may, may have never heard this, but that's one way we describe this. Praying with shameless audacity would be, man, that person got a lot of gall. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. Let me describe praying with gall. Praying with gall is asking with the awareness that we have no right to receive what we're asking for. We're not not entitled to this. But God has allowed us to do this. We are not holy enough, we are not full of enough faith, we have not done enough to impress God but only through His grace does He answer these kinds of prayers. And so we come boldly into His throne. We come, we have access to Him through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus. We come before Him and know Him as Father, and we as His children ask boldly knowing that we don't deserve it. Now that's important because a lot of us are are rather timid because we know ourselves. We know our limitations. Or I hear this prayer a lot. Oh Lord, Bless sister so-and-so who served so faithfully. She's such a good woman. She's such a faithful wife and a good mother. And because of that, she deserves to be healed of cancer. That's not how we pray. We pray based on the character of God, the loving Father that He is, and the awesome God, and He's full of compassion and mercy. And that's why we approach Him boldly. We pray with God when we ask with a desperate cry even a demanding tone. We speak it out. The dude that needed bread didn't come to his neighbor and go, oh, I guess he's not awake. He didn't come to his neighbor and say, psst, neighbor, neighbor. Apparently, he was so loud, he woke up the whole family. Hey, dude, wake up. We need some bread. Come on. I know it's late, sorry, but hey, wake up. He was bold, it was inappropriate, but he asked that way and Jesus said, that's what I'm commending. We pray with gall or we pray with shameless audacity when we ask very specifically. A lot of times Christians just pray, God bless me. Well, how do you know when he's blessed you? But when you pray specifically, we know when those prayers are answered. Notice this guy, he didn't say, give me some food. He might have got an egg between the eyes, you know, from the neighbor. Take that. He might have got the hog food thrown on him, you know. Take my pig food. But he prayed specifically. What did he say? Three loaves of bread. Maybe one for him and the, and the guest and his wife or whatever. But three breads. He prayed specifically. That's praying with shameless audacity. So if you have a financial need, just don't don't say, Lord, bless me with money. Give him a number. I've done this for decades. You can ask my wife. For 40 years, we've been writing in journals like this. This is one of dozens of journals in which I write a little box, and I say, Lord God, this week I was a pastor for 20 years in America and often at the end of the month, it's like, you know what? We need a $25,000 offering. And the bookkeeper would tell me that. And I'd say, well, exactly how much? Well, $25,251.30 in order for you and the rest of the staff to be paid. And so I would go to prayer. And guess what I would ask? Lord, we need $25,251.35 or more in the offering this week. I always give the Lord permission for more, you know? miracle after miracle. Why? Because we ask shameless. We ask specifically. We ask with boldness. Lord, uh, you know, it's like when I, when I pray for people sometimes in a, in a, at the end of a service and somebody's down and they're just crying and I say, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want me to pray for? <laughs> if I were more discerning, I would know, but I have to ask them. And finally they say, I want to be healed. And I say, great, what, your head or your foot or your knee or what needs to be healed? You know, let's pray specifically. And that's why we often write our prayers down. We put a box in front of them. Why? So we could check them later on when God answers those prayers. Now, I'm going to talk about it in a minute. What if those prayers aren't answered? But we pray specifically. When my son, Bowen, who was born here in Indonesia, and because he was born in Jogja, everyone gave him the name Bowo, Watan, Indonesia, uh, and so that's a common name in Central Java. And so when Bowen was little, he'd come up to me and he's just so unhappy. And, he'd just... and finally I would say, what do you want? And he would say, I want a banana. Oh, You should have asked me. Come on, I, here's a banana, you know. And, uh, and yet Christians are that way. We need to be very specific as we ask God for things. And then finally we ask God irrespective of what we think his will is. Now, I know that's going to sound like heresy, but in this story, did the neighbor go, I wonder if the dude feels bad to be woken up? I wonder if he wants to give me bread or not, or I wonder if he has bread? He just went for it. And so rather than being bung or, or tossed to and fro in what we're, what we're wanting to get from God, we don't know if it's his will, we go in asking the desire of our heart And God, through his spirit, teaches us through those requests. So decades of filling out journals and knowing more and more what is the heart of God. I understand his longings and desires more. And when my prayers line up with those things that I know to be his will, then there's miracles, there's things that happen. And if I'm asking something that's not good for me, God's a perfect father. He would never give me something that's not good for me. He always gives you what you need and yet we need to ask, okay? So praying with shameless audacity means going for it and God will show you his will in the process. Sometimes Christians are reluctant to ask something from God because we think, what if it doesn't happen? Maybe that'll hurt my relationship with God. Maybe I'll be so disappointed that I might leave him. I'll be so disappointed and heartbroken, I'll never ask him for anything again. But you know what, that's not the case. What happens is we learn to trust in God's character and if, if he doesn't answer us the way we want, we grow through that. Here's what I've discovered when I ask things of God, there's at least five different answers that I get. One of them is, sure, I was waiting for you to ask. Why do Christians not have things? Because they don't ask. And so often God's like, I've been waiting for you to cry out to me for that need. Now, why would we need to cry out to God for that need? Because there's power in the ask. One day Jesus, in fact, this happened several times. Jesus is passing a certain area. And this blind guy named Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, Master, teacher, have mercy on me. And the other guy said, hey, be quiet. But he kept crying out, that's faith. What's faith? Faith is in the asking. So he kept crying out, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and he went to him and what did he say? He said, oh, I see that you're blind, I'll heal you. No, Jesus said, what do you want me to do? That's incredible. Think about it. Jesus said, What do you want me to do to a blind man? Did Jesus know the guy was blind? Sure, he did. What do you want me to do? He's saying that to you today. He said, What do you want me to do? What do you want in your life? What's the longing of your heart? And this guy says, I want to see. And then Jesus did it. See, there's something powerful in the I want to see. Something's released in the heavenlies as we're addressing that from a sincere heart to God. So we speak out that longing. We, we articulate it. We write it down, but we also speak it. Jesus sometimes says, okay, I'll give you what you need, and here's more. I like when he does that. How many of you like when he does that? <laughs> here's more. More than you can ask or imagine, says in the scriptures. Sometimes he says, No but I have something better for you. I have something better for you. Sometimes he says, wait, the answer's on the way. Press in. Don't give up. Otewe, the answer is coming your way. So press in. Hold on. Sometimes he says, no. I love you too much to give you that. Like I say, the older we get, the more we know his heart, we know his will, and we're not asking for stupid things. We're not asking for selfish things. We're asking for things that advance his kingdom. And in doing so, he's glorified when we're bold in asking and when we receive. Now, sometimes we give up too quickly. When I was young, I would pray for something, and if it didn't happen, I would think, oh, Suda, I guess that's not God's will. But it's the continual Ask. Literally, that verse that we just read says, So I say to you, keep on asking. That's the Greek verb there. Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Try that with the person next to you. Tell them, Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And keep on knocking. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. When you go to someone's house, especially if you don't know them, but you're, you're, you've got a purpose for being at the house and you go up and you knock on the door. A lot of times here in Bali, you have to knock on the gate. But, but do you do it once and then say, well, I guess they're not home. No, you rattle louder. And then you may cry out, hey, ada orang di rumah. Is there anybody home? Why? Because that's the way we get an answer. Not that God's deaf, but there's a powerful force working against us in our prayers that we've got to struggle through. Daniel prayed, asked God for something. He fasted, he prayed for 21 days and finally the answer came, the breakthrough came. And Daniel said, why didn't it happen on the first day? Because there's a spiritual war in heaven. Between the powers of God and the power of darkness. And it took twenty-one days for a breakthrough. And sometimes, and, and I've got many, many answers that I've jotted down in my journal to prayers that I've prayed for years. Five years ago, Janine and I started praying for a three month old little pop one baby that my daughter and son-in-law felt like they should adopt. And early on in the process, they were told by the Indonesian government, Munkin, and they were told by the American government, this won't happen. Multiple times, multiple times, they said, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. But guess what? Us, my wife and I, they, our community, prayed. We kept asking. We kept praying for four years four years of no's, four years of trips to Jakarta, four years of, well, we got to apply for this, four years of believing God, and Aaron Gibson, I wish I had a picture of him, is now a U.S. citizen with a U.S. passport, and his last name is Gibson, my, my son-in-law's last name. So don't give up. One of my heroes of the faith is a man named George Mueller. He lived a long time ago. He's of German descent, moved to Bristol, England when he was young. And there on the streets of Bristol, he found kids that were truly orphans, not like some of the orphanages here. The kids have parents that are living. He'd find kids that had no parents who were starving alongside of the road, who sometimes wore rags or were naked or were laying in the snow dying. And he began to take kids in. It was before anyone had orphanages. And so he began to Formed this orphanage, and it grew to 30 and then 100, and then finally 300. And he had 300 children to feed and to clothe and to educate. and he did this for 50 years in the orphanage that he founded, and it lived on past him. But during those 50 years, George Mueller had a principle that he would never ask people for money. Now, you'd think he'd have the right to ask people for money, but he wouldn't. In fact, people of means, people that were wealthy would come to him and say, uh, George Mueller, do you have, what is the financial needs of the orphanage? And George Mueller would smile at him and say, you ask God and you give, what, you give according to what God tells you to give, and our needs will be met. And it happened. There was never, never a meal that there wasn't enough food for these kids. None of them ever had to go barefoot. None of them had ever had to wear rags because God provided for every need. On many occasions, it would be 10.30 in the morning or 11, and one of the cooks would come to George Mueller and say, uh, Pastor Mueller, there's no food in the doppler, There's no food in the kitchen. And lunch is coming up, and we don't have anything to prepare. What should we do? And George Mueller would say, wait. He'd go into his room, he'd shut the door, he'd get on his knees, and he'd say, God of heaven, God and Father who built this orphanage, who brought these orphans to us, they are your children, and you're their father. And you promised to supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory, and these children need food. And he would pray that boldly and he'd pray that confident. And lo and behold, before lunchtime, somebody would show up and say, I was driving this cart of food to the market and God redirected me here to the orphanage and here's food for lunch. He did that many, many times. You should read his biography. It's very inspiring. So when he died... Someone got his his journals and started researching and they counted over 30,000 specific answers to prayer. Does George Mueller have more of the Holy Spirit or did he than we do? No. Did he have a different God than we do? No. Same God with the same promises only it's asking with boldness. Asking with boldness. Asking specifically. Asking according to the heart of God. That we, that we see the answers to prayer. So many, many times we keep knocking, keep pounding on the door to heaven. One more story from George Mueller. When he was in his 20s, he had five very close friends who were non-believers. And he shared with these guys and they rejected the gospel, but he kept praying for them. And he prayed for them daily. He'd call out their names in prayer. After 18 months, the first of the five guys came to Jesus, came to faith. Believed in in Christ, turned over his life to Christ, followed Jesus. After five years, person number two became a follower. After about 20 years, I think it was 21 years, person number three became a follower. Then person number four became a follower about 35 years into George Mueller praying for that dude and this dude every day. But when George Mueller died, and he died like it in his 80s, There was one guy who had never repented, who had never bowed the knee, who had never said yes to Jesus. And at George Mueller's funeral, he came to Jesus. You see, it's up to you. It's up to me. How much do we want? You see, the prayers of a righteous person, and we're righteous in Jesus, are powerful and effective. And I can't imagine any of us standing before the Lord Jesus someday and him looking at us and saying, why did you ask for so many things? Why did you ask for such big things? Like impossible things. I don't think he's going to tell any of us that. But I'm afraid that he's going to tell a lot of us, why didn't you ask me? Why why didn't you take your authority, the authority I have given you, to move heaven and earth, to to bind and to loose the, the authority that you have because Jesus rose from the dead and his power's in you, that same power that raised him from the dead is in you. Why didn't you use that and ask me for great things? Ask of me and I'll give you the nations, Jesus said. So I often ask for the nations of Indonesia, the ethnic groups that are far from Christ. Lord God, give us those people because the authority is ours in Him, through Him. Now today, I want to I close with something very, very practical, a way that you and I can obey this, a way you and I could, could become prayers that have effect, prayers that, that know how to come before God because of an attitude of freedom to ask him anything in our hearts to ask him shamelessly to ask him with our, with our voices crying out to him to ask him uh, holding fast to promises to ask him according to our need by being very specific and today I believe God's gonna do some breakthroughs give some breakthroughs why not here why not now Some of you have had longings in your heart for years, and maybe at one time you've asked for that, but you've given up. Some of you have had desires for family members to come to know him. Some of you have had had longings to be healed of certain illnesses. Some of you have had a desire to have children, and it's not happened yet. And today, I want to believe God with you for a breakthrough. Let me tell you one story, one of many I could tell you. There was a couple in our church named Dan and Gail, and I was a pastor. We were pastors in Austin, and these guys were part of our church for several years before I even knew their name. Now, our church was rather large, so I didn't get to meet everybody, but I really, this couple stood out. They were a really good-looking couple. Come to find out, he was a captain in the Marines. He's a leader. And, and yet, when we got to know him, we found out that their hearts were deeply hurt because for 10 years, they had longed for children. And Dan and Gail told me their story, and they told me about, uh, you know, the, the times they thought they were pregnant and she would have a miscarriage. They told me about their ministry to the children's area, and, and they had finally come to the point of just giving up. They come to the point of saying it must not be God's will for us to have children. Well, because I believe what I've just been talking about, I said, Do you guys mind if I ask God? Do you mind if I lay hands on you and believe God that He will grant you children? And they were sort of reluctant, but they said, Okay, if that's what you want to do, yeah, that's what I want to do. So we laid hands on them, we prayed, simple prayer. God, grant that Gail could, could be pregnant and, and bring a baby to full term that will be healthy. And Lord, we pray this based on your father heart, your character. So we prayed it. Yes, amen. Well, within a month, Gail came running up to me at church one day and said, guess what? I'm pregnant. Awesome, you know? I'm glad you didn't clap yet because a month later, she had a miscarriage. Miscarriage number six. And I was kind of like, it it affected me more than them. A strange thing happened in them. They said, Ron, we feel more inspired than ever to ask again. We feel more inspired than ever to believe God, would you just join us again? And so we prayed again. And about a year later came little Talitha, and now she's this beautiful little girl that God's blessed with us. Is it because of our prayers? No, it's because of the goodness of God, but we're bold to ask. And so before, I just feel prompted to do this. Before we leave today, if there are couples here that want to have children, I want you to come to the front and give me the privilege. My wife will join me. We'll lay hands on you. I want to pray for you guys. So I want to do this right now. I want you to do what what we've done for years, which is take something to write on. If you have, if not, use your phone. And I want you to write out or type out three specific longings that you have. And I put a kotak in front of them, a box without a check. I usually, this was animated when I first sent it, but I usually put the check after it's answered. But I put a box so it'll remind me to keep praying for that item, keep praying for that need. So I want you today to ask God, I'm going to give you a minute, I'm going to be quiet and say, Holy Spirit, show us things that we've been timid or afraid or maybe given up on or lacked faith to pray for, and today we want to boldly ask for these things. And I don't know what your needs are, but God does, and he's delighted. He's not like going, okay, you're going to bother me again with a request. No, he's saying, tell me what you need. That's the kind of God he is. What's on your heart? That's what he's telling us today. And so while we do this, I'm going to flash some verses on the screen. While you're waiting on the Lord, I want to read these. But focus on the Lord as you do, as I read them. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? If you can, Jesus said, Everything is possible for the one who believes. And Jesus said, go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. How many of you have made your list or you know what you want to ask? Okay, we've got to wait on the rest of you. We're going to do this. This is your assignment today. Before you go home, what three things that you've longed for. If you write 10, that's okay. If you write 30, that's okay. But at least three. What are three things that you're longing for today? You have an unsaved friend or relative. You know someone that, that has cancer. Some of these guys that were jumping around here wildly during worship are, are people that have been here all summer, and them along with a group of Indonesians have been reaching out. And in reaching out, they often pray for the sick. They pray for the sick uh, Out in parks, or on the beach, or at a warung, or, or wherever, wherever we find people that are sick, we boldly pray because we know the heart of God. How many of you would say, Pastor Ron, I feel, I feel like it's really hard for me to be bold in asking God for things. I want to pray for you before we go. Some of you would say that. Yeah. Thank you for honesty. How many of you say, Ron, I really have faith in my heart that God's going to bring breakthrough for for these things that I'm asking? Would you raise your hands? Amen. God sees that. God sees that. Now, I want you to stand together with me right now. And I want to close today by doing the very thing that this guy in the story did. He opened his mouth and he declared to his neighbor what he needed. Three loaves of bread. Today, I want us to open our mouths and declare to our maker, Lord, this is what I want. And I want us to lift up our voices together. Jangan Do not sit there and just keep your mouth shut. Open your mouth. And I want us to all, in the next 90 seconds, just pour out our hearts to God together and say, God, this is what I'm longing for. Would you do it with me? Don't worry about your neighbor. He's praying or she's praying as well. So, on the count of three, I'm going to just invite you to pray to God what we're asking for together. Okay, ready? One, two, three. God, Lord, I'm asking that you heal. Heal in the name of Jesus. I'm asking, Lord, for Daryl and for Nathan to be saved. I'm asking for their eyes to be opened, believe the gospel. Lord, I'm asking for groups of new believers from cousin backgrounds and H people. Lord, to come to know you and start worshiping you.